because it forced him to sit down for several hours and just begin to take a, a look at life. He's roughly in his early fifties career transition. Um, and, and so all of a sudden he's like, Oh, there's a lot of disappointments, but there's also a lot of desires and wants and dreams that I still have. Uh, right. As the old, old saying goes, um, like, right. Most men lives lives of quiet desperation, uh, or the, or they have this song in their heart and they take that song in their heart to their grave with them, you know? Have you ever thought about your obituary and writing that or about what people are going to say at your funeral? Yeah, it's a pretty morbid thought when you think about it and can be very depressing, but it can also be empowering and motivating to help you live a life that's more aligned with what you want to be said at your funeral and what obituary you want written and the legacy you want to leave. And today I talked with Lance Howard. He was on the podcast. He's a um, personal coach, professional coach that had some background in ministry, but he delves into this subject. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a powerful one. And it's one that's been bubbling up in books that I've been reading recently. So let's jump into the conversation with Lance. Thank you. Yeah. Well, hey, good morning on the podcast. We have Lance Howard. He's a, a buddy of mine and uh, he's a, a professional coach. He helps leaders in the business field, but um, draws a lot of his experience from um, just his his life experience, but some of the work that he does in vocational ministry as well. So Lance, excited to have you on to share some tips for leaders, for dads and people in the in the workspace. So Absolutely, Mike. I'm honored to be here. Uh, as I was telling you, busy night last night coaching my daughters in the early morning. Uh, so I'm definitely honored uh, to join you. That's what it's about, though. You know, uh, that's why that's why you're on this show, Lance. These, that's what that's what the audience <laughs> is dealing with. You know, these late uh, nights running uh, running absolutely. things around, kids doing stuff. So that's that's uh, cool. That's good. So, Lance, you do you do. Um, you do coaching with with leaders of businesses, leaders of of organizations, and you know, my question would be, you know, how did you get into this? I know you have a unique story um, yeah, in how uh, you got into coaching individuals. So tell me a little bit about that story. So with all good stories, right, there's the drama, the conflict, the villain, all those things. Um, man, so I'd probably back up to at least a decade ago uh, and try to condense this down. Uh, vocationally, uh, experiences pastoral work, uh, got my marriage and family therapy degree years ago. Um, and, and I was bridging that gap from when we moved from Las Vegas, Nevada, back to Texas. Uh, we failed at saving sin city. Uh, so we we're like, well, we'll, we'll just come back to the Bible belt and, and, and do faithful work here. Um, and so I say all that to say my marriage and family therapy route was kind of this route into serving faithfully just in the community. Uh, transparently, uh, Texas standards are just super crazy high. Uh, ended up failing the test three times in a row by like a point, two points, mm -hmm. a point. And I'm like, all right, God, what is, what is going on? And, and I kind of hit this uh, crux moment, this crucible moment of like really discerning, like, oh, I thought this was a path I was on. And so at that point, uh, kind of engaged my first experience of, of what we call executive coaching or leadership coaching, uh, somebody that walks alongside you to kind of help discern your next steps. Um, and in, in that moment I realized like, Oh, 
Like I could see myself doing that, but I didn't see myself doing it then just as, as a young, you know, early 30 somethings. Uh, I didn't see myself necessarily pursuing a full-time career out of it at that point. I was still mm -hmm. in the early middle, ugly mess of it all, trying to make sense of it. Uh, then you fast forward probably eight years, uh, and my desire to, to climb what was my corporate ladder in the church world, uh, became the executive minister and, and found myself at another one of those crucible moments of like, man, this is, this is not my gift, my passion, my calling. I'm not an Excel's budget numbers, um, so the more that I was able to spend time with leaders, growing leaders, I was totally great with it, but I was being asked to do more and more of the data, more and more of just the, the operational internal stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had a decision to make and, and there's, there's about 47 complicated stories to that decision. Um, but the decision was to leave. Um, and in that, that decision, the, the elders blessed me in that. Uh, but I thought I was ready for coaching. I was, I thought I was like, oh man, people are just going to like flock to me. Like, oh, I'm, I'm like, oh, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm on this journey of, of still faithfully figuring out my calling and figuring out my uh, niche market per se. Uh, but God is, is really what I'm learning about myself is that uh, God is using me to grow, grow me up in this process. Right. Yeah. So many times as leaders, we get so externally focused on, on the end result for everybody else. Uh, but as I've been faithful to pay attention to my story, God is affirming the, the gifting and the calling upon my life. And, and how do I begin to steward that back uh, to others? Yeah. So you had, I mean, the marriage and family counseling background, you had the, the, the journey through being an executive pastor, which you're still involved in the ministry. So tell me about how that translates into kind of leadership coaching in the professional space, because, you know, obviously you're, it, there's a lot of core tenants, but what do you see as kind of the, the overlap there, or the big, the big things that, you know, a lot of your clients and, and people that you interact with are, are dealing with and, and how you've been able to help them? Yeah. Um, most everyone I've served has a, has a faith background, has a, has a calling from God upon their life that they're aware about. Um, but I think unfortunately our lives have become segregated and it seems like a lot of leaders, whether it's an executive leader, a small business leader, entrepreneur, we, we struggle with this segregation idea versus like, no life is life is really about integration and the more that we can pay attention to, uh, like what the early, early works of Genesis, which we say would be the Avodah, like work is worship and worship is work, uh, that, mm -hmm. that we shouldn't see a Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday, whatever, uh, your work schedule is, we shouldn't see this as slavery. Um, but instead we should see this as an opportunity, uh, to serve faithfully that God has entrusted other people to. Uh, so for me, it's really trying to help, uh, individuals and leaders integrate and see like, how do they serve their spouse? How do they begin to serve their coworkers? How do they navigate their time complexities? Um, and the, all the various challenges that go with, you know, trying to figure out what you say yes to and no to. Uh, so I would say at the end of it, a, a summary would be 
really helping leaders become wholehearted in all their pursuits versus mm -hmm. just tink tinkering around with a, a few things. Why, why do you think they tinker or why is there this desire to, um, to segregate? I, like I have some theories on that. Like one of the things that for, for dads especially is that, um, it's more comfortable to kind of be in the workspace, like the be in, in a lot of ways. Right. So there's a, there's a desire to, to kind of be segregated a little bit out, but you know, not, you feel a little bit more foreign at, at home sometimes with like young kids, you don't know what to do or whatever. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, like what, what are the forces that are pulling them towards the, um, segregation as opposed to integration? You know, what, why is there a desire to do that or a pull to do that? Yeah. Um, I think as men, we're, we're naturally wired to be problem solvers, right? To get our hands dirty and figure out the problem. Uh, I think the trouble lies in that, uh, generally speaking, a lot of us haven't had that modeled for us at home mm. of, of what does a wholehearted faithful man look like at home, right? Culturally speaking, and even from my own story, uh, so many homes are blended homes, divorced homes, single parent homes. Uh, and so there's tons of nuances that come with that, that we haven't seen it modeled before us. And so we don't really have a clear path of figuring out like, okay, how do I, how do I show, show up and serve in this context? Um, because I can go and problem solve at work. Uh, but then I have to figure out how to come home and be human and be authentic. And, and mm. the reality is, is so many men are wearing this, this mask of inauthenticity. Uh, that's not a really allowing them to connect to the next layer with their spouse. That's not allowing them to connect to the late next layer uh, with their children. Um, Cause unfortunately we probably just see it as another task to get done. Uh, yeah. So we can get back up in the morning and conquer the world, you know, but, but the reality but what, is, what is, is that if we could conquer home, <laughs> the business would take yeah. care of itself. Right. So what, so if someone hears you say that Lance and they're like, I don't, maybe I am wearing a mask. I don't know. You know, I, I know that the results are, I feel more comfortable in the workplace or I feel that there's, um, I don't feel like I know how to not add value, but, you know, embrace my role at home because I think it's a common feeling, right? You know, there's, you know, you, there's a lot of problems to solve and there's things to be done and you're looked to as the expert at, in the workplace. But when you went at home, there, it's a different dynamic. So what I heard you say is, there's this mass that of in the inauthenticity that men wear at around the home. Tell me about that. Like, let's unpack that a little bit because that's really interesting yeah. to me, especially if someone hears that and they say, Oh, that that's not me. You know, I'm not, no. Yeah. That's great. Lance, yeah. probably some of the guys yeah. you work with, but no, I'm good. I just, I'd have some minor, you know, hiccups over here. Like, like yeah. let's unpack that a little bit. How do they, how do they realize the mass that maybe they're wearing or yeah. kind of the things that are going on on beneath the surface? Yeah. So maybe if I share uh, a challenge as a practical exercise and then maybe share a story uh, from, from men that I serve, a common thing is, is that they want to go from good to great. Like, like they have a good home dynamic. They have an amazing spouse. Uh, but when they get home, their spouse asks them, how, how was your day? And it's, it's good. <laughs> and it's like, okay, no, your, your spouse is asking permission and a, and a doorway to your heart, like, right. 
And how do we as, as men see that as an opportunity, not to just simply describe my day in, in a story format, but really as an opportunity to connect with my spouse. Uh, we just typically let's leave it as good, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would, I would say the first step would be to try to figure out like, how do you see those opportunities of engagement with your spouse as, as like, Hey, how can I take this one more layer down? Um, uh, because for her, it's not about transactions for her. She's like tr- sincerely trying to figure out like, how was your day? Right. Yeah. Um, a, a challenge that I often give men will be like, so, so go be with your spouse and just simply spend five minutes in their presence for five minutes, no agenda, no strings attached, just like five minutes. And and this is hard because right. We're ships passing in the night. Like we come home, it's dinner, dinner at home for us almost all the time at home. But, but in general, a lot of men are like going through drive, they're picking it up and then going on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. So, right. We're just constantly going in this fury of frantic activity. Uh, so this five minute challenge is, is really like, Hey, how can you just stand in the presence of your spouse for five minutes and just slow down, breathe and talk. Right. Um, and surprisingly it sounds super simple. Uh, but, but one guy individual I'm thinking about his wife picked up on it and within a couple of days and she was like, what are you doing? Like, you're like, <laughs> you're like, you're like by me all the time. And you just like, keep following me around. So, so it really is this idea of like, okay, wherever she goes, you're going to be with her for five minutes. Uh, yeah. Type of deal. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think our modern culture, uh, the pursuit of more hasn't really helped this drive of, of, of working more hours, providing for the family. Uh, and, and, and we get home, Unfortunately, you know, at six o'clock at night and dinner, and then you go to bed, you know, yeah, uh, for, for a lot of average families. Yeah. I think that the, the practice of unpacking the, how was your day question is a good one because it seems like men and women, you know, are on totally different wavelengths when it comes to that question. It's like, <laughs> she's, she's asking for something else and you're just like, I think but put myself in that shoes. It's like, okay, I had a busy day. I, I don't really know how to unpack all of the nuance of the day. I'm tired. Yeah. I don't really want to get into that. And I'll just appease her with a, it was good. You know, got some good stuff done today. You know, it's like, yeah. so what I'm communicating is like, I don't really care. Right. Like she's kind of like, well, you're not, you're not sharing with me. Right. Like that's what you're saying. You know, she's, she's not looking for just a checkbox. Oh, here, what are the three top items of your day? (laughs) It's like, it's a, it's an insight thing. It's a, it's an intimacy thing. Right. I think that's, um, the reason I think that's interesting is because it's something everyone does. Right. But yet not, not really looks into, um, but the, the lack of a model, like you said, like we didn't, you know, we don't, if there's even people and men that have come from relatively healthy homes may not have had that modeled to the degree that it needed to be modeled. Right. Like maybe maybe their parents never got divorced, but the dad was, you know, just came home and checked out, you know, and there was no sort of integration there. Um, What do you say about though? The one of my thoughts around this is, there's the objectives or the plan 
or the the vision for your family isn't as cut and dry and black and white as it could be or, or is in a business setting, right? So how do you help men with that, right? So, yeah. so you're 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 building a business. You have a revenue target, maybe you have, or if you're an employee, you want to get to the next, you know, um, level in the company. So you know you have to perform these certain things, and you know you're okay. I gotta make sure this big initiative is a success, and that way I'm gonna get promoted. So there's kind of this vision of kind of where you're going. Yeah, yeah. That vision seems to be lacking, or even a framework for developing that vision um, in the home. It's like get the kids fed and kept alive and get them off to school and that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Let, let me see if I can bridge something helpful from the previous uh, topic sure. uh, and bridge it in, into this one. Uh, so a framework that I would begin to use in, in a conversation like this uh, and it, and this, this framework is applies to whatever the topic is, but this topic is, is vision. So, uh, Hey babe, I, I, I feel really disconnected from you and, and really like isolated. Uh, and I want to work to kind of build a stronger connection. Uh, I've been pondering, I, I think we're lacking a family vision. Uh, would you be open to uh, spend the next day or two? Like just thinking about like, what would it look like for us to begin the process to build a family vision? So, so just real quick, what I said, I made it about myself, right? I said, I feel disconnected, isolated, lonely, whatever the, the feeling is, trying to identify that, own that, um, and then begin to communicate what what could be a solution moving forward, right? Yeah. So, so that, that could span the variety of topics of life. You can do that with your coworkers, with your spouse. So onto the, the vision aspect of that, um, one of the individuals I've been serving for over a year, uh, he has, I don't think we have any fancy language around it, but it, it's just his narrative story that he gets up and reads every morning. Like, so we write, we work together for about a month, uh, to kind of craft his individual story because so many times we can't lead our family if we don't even know where we're going ourselves mm -hmm. individually. Yeah. Uh, Another one, even more specific, just this month, uh, we were working on, on his specific visions for his family, right? Kind of narrowed that down to four or five words. Uh, and, and he had a very similar conversation with his spouse of like saying, Hey, I would like to, oh, they had some, something, some scripture or something. Uh, but he was trying to figure out how to make it tighter because it just kind of felt like, you know, ooey gooey and, you know, too emotional, but he was trying to put tactical stuff around it. Uh, so we came that came up with those tactical stuff and he kind of had a similar conversation with his wife about like, Hey, we need to get more intentional about what we're doing as a family. Uh, we went over his goals, uh, yesterday. Um, one of his goals is uh, just simply spending 10 minutes with his daughter to teach her piano. Right. So unless you begin to articulate where you're going as a leader, as a father, you can't do those things for other people if you're not doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first, first place to really begin. And then from there, you can kind of begin to say, okay, what does this really mean on a practical monthly rhythm, daily rhythm, weekly rhythm uh, from there? Yeah. So do you feel like the leaders that you're working with have 
I, I kind of have this vision in my mind of like, you know, the company that they're working for or leading has a vision that might be clear. And as you go down the rung, it gets less clear. So it gets less clear and they're individually kind of where they want to go. Then where they want to go, like kind of their spouse kind of vision slash, and then go down to the family and, and that sort of thing. Do you feel like they have a, a vision? Do a lot of them have a, that personal vision to figure it out? Or is that that's, that's lacking clarity and that's leading to less clarity on the family level? You know, that's, I'm just kind of digging into what you were saying about, you know, yeah. if you don't know where you're going, you can't lead your family and your, and your wife and, and all that very well, or, or at least cast yeah. a vision yeah. for them. Yeah. I would say a hundred percent. Um, in my own story, if I'm being uh, on the on the flip side of this, uh, I think I'm three years removed now from writing my obituary for the first time, mm-hmm. right? And that that's a very humbling experience. But and the first first year of that I, I read it several times, but now I can quickly kind of just reference, like, okay, th- this is this is what I'm up to, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going. Um. And I'm actually, interestingly enough, uh, working in a cohort with nine guys, uh, and their challenge for this month is to write their obituary. Yeah. Uh, and all, all of them looked at me in the room on Monday night, like, like just deer in the headlights, like, like, right. Cause you could begin to feel this sense of like, oh, I don't, I don't really know where I'm headed in life, you yeah. know? Uh, and, and my own experiences, this is like, and this is where it all started, uh, I was leading a group of men uh, in the story of uh, the blind man and Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 years ago. Uh, and in that, that section, Jesus asked, he says, what do you want? And, and in our pharisaical way of looking at that, we're like, well, duh, Jesus, of course, what he, what he wants to see. Right. Yeah. But I think over and over, Jesus is asking us that same question of, of what, do you want, right? He, he has come to give us life abundantly, not only now, but forevermore, but he's given us free will and he's given us a a lot of time, talents, and treasures to maximize what he has given us. But unless we own what we really want, uh, like Mm -hmm. how does he even begin to give it to us? Right. Uh, what what does the scripture say? If, If you ask your, father, uh, for bread, he's not going to turn around and hand you a piece of stone. Yeah. Right. Like our, our father's a good father. And so I think we have to begin to say, Oh, like, this is what I want. There, yeah. there's nothing wrong with pursuing X, Y, Z in life, you know, but in the same way, you know, like we wouldn't buy our kids candy all the time, even though they want it. Right. You know, that's it. That's part of being a good father. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not, not Absolutely. that's what you're saying, but it's like, that's yeah. the, when we, when we go through experiences or the Lord takes us on a path, realize that, that he's getting us there in, in a way that is best for us and is going to teach us a certain lesson or, you know, is going to take us the path that we need to take. But what, why do you think people, I think this, this practice of writing your obituary is, is something, something I've done maybe not fully over the last couple of years. Like I've, I can't remember the book that I read that talked about it. And then you kind of, you kind of write it. But as I, as I was hearing you talk, I think it's something you continually review and refine, right? And and um, contemplate, right? To say this this is is this still true? Is this how am I striving against this? And do is there anything I want to add? But 
what, why do you think, is it, is it a fear of failure or is it just sheer busyness that people don't like stop and, you know, think about where they're going and, and what the, what the obituary reads like, you know, or what aspects they want in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Donald Miller was the kind of the first, um, person I ran across his, his writing about it, talking about it years ago, but he finally pinned it. And I guess hero in a mission, um, mm-hmm. and kind of built a framework around it. But yeah, uh, goals. I think we are, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I, I think sometimes you are afraid of, of speaking, uh, truth into those goals, right? There, there is, there is disappointment that is real in life. And as, as any ambitious leader knows, like oftentimes for myself, I'm setting very high standards and then I have to even taper back off of that. And, uh, then it's like, Oh, I I reached a lot of goals, but I didn't reach all of those goals, but in Mm -hmm. that pursuit, right. You're still, still growing up. And so I think sometimes when you have, this compound layer of like, you know, there's so many more goals that exist out there for you. There, there is a fear of failure a hundred percent. Um, yeah. You know, I, I had an individual that asked me this week, caught me off guard. Uh, he's like, Hey, so what are your goals and how can I support you? Like right now? And I was like, wait, hold on. You're, you're not supposed to be asking me that, yeah. <laughs> that question. So, so it totally caught me off guard and, and I wasn't really sure how to articulate it because I'm, I'm really at capacity in a lot of different areas of life. Um, so the, the current horizon of, of just like the three months, I was like, man, I didn't know how to really articulate and answer that question in, a, mm-hmm. in an honest way. Like I know where I'm headed this year and I know goals in general and a Spartan race and some of those things. But in the moment I was like, Oh, I wasn't really ready to answer that question. Yeah. So yeah, there, there is a, there is a little, fear of failure, because if I articulate it to him, then all of a sudden that, that seems like I've got to begin to put some motion behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that you say you have to put some motion behind it, you know, like that's, yeah. there's a accountability when you speak it into truth yeah. or you, you share it with someone or, um, yeah. So where you mentioned here on a mission, which is a, is a good book, the, where, where, where do you. So if someone's listening to this and says, yeah, I'm tracking with all that Lance is saying, Mike is saying, would, would you encourage, like, what would you encourage someone to do in terms of like next step, just jump into trying to write an obituary or like, um, like what, where, where would someone begin on this, on this journey of like the, if they were to take the first step? Uh, so the easiest thing for me to do is either reference myself or the people I'm, I'm currently serving. Um, mm-hmm. So this guy I'm thinking about, uh, this was a f- conversation about four months ago. And this is what I told him. Um, I said, write down the question. What do you want? And I said, we'll have another coaching conversation after you've spent an hour, two hours, three hours, just like writing, like playfully about it. Like, right. Like so mm-hmm. many times we don't think in a playful spirit about life. Cause it's like, Oh, but, but begin this playful journey of like, okay, what, what do you want? And, and if you're the only one that ever reads it, like, what would you really begin to write? You know, um, 
and, and he, and he has said out of all the different experiences that we've done together, he said, that's been one of the most helpful, uh, because it forced him to sit down for several hours and just begin to take a, a look at life. He's roughly in his early fifties career transition. Um, and, and so all of a sudden he's like, Oh, there's a lot of disappointments, but there's also a lot of desires and wants and dreams that I still have. Uh, right. As the old, old saying goes, um, like, right. Most men live lives of quiet desperation, uh, or the, or they have this song in their heart and they take that song in their heart to their grave with them, you know? Uh, so I think it's just the desire of like, how do we awaken men, uh, to something larger than life of larger than just getting the paycheck and the next things, uh, and just say, Hey, what, what do I want? And, and then if, if you're a man of God, like, how do you look through that lens of saying, okay, what, what has God entrusted me with that expands not only my little K kingdom, but expands his big K kingdom as well. I think that's really profound, Lance. I think that's, um, I think that's a very important part place to start because it, it automatically forces you to um, comprehend things that maybe you didn't spend a lot of time on. And I, and I, I love and hate that kind of phrase of men lead like quiet lives of desperation. It's like, I hate it cause it's true in some aspect in my own life. Right. But I think there's a lot of men that are also trapped in that, uh, but it's exciting to unlock that. And to help people come outside of that and think, okay, what are the things that are holding you back or, you know, restricting your thinking. And so I think that's a, that's a powerful exercise. Um, Speaking of of goals and that exercise, uh, last year I had intentions to do uh, two, two video courses, uh, one on, on a lot of the different things we're talking about right now, got that one done. It turned out to be 13 different video sessions. Uh, I intended to do a marriage, uh, a smaller marriage video course. And so that, right. Like all of a sudden those are like those in, in my perspective is I know it's not true. Well, did I fail? I only got one video course done. Mm-hmm. Like, so, but sometimes it's just life of like, okay, it wasn't right for that season. It takes a lot more to get a video course done than what I realize. And yeah. so how do I just, uh, regathered for this year, uh, continue to serve men faithfully and gather up more ser- stories and begin to release a video course that can be helpful uh, to yeah. me along the way as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Lance, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate it. I think you brought a ton of value to the audience and, um, thanks for sharing so candidly too, with like your experience and, and a lot of the work that you're doing with men. Um, I really yeah, appreciate absolutely. it, man. Absolutely. My, my pleasure to be here. It's great to lock arms with like-minded uh, men like yourself, Mike. And, uh, we do, we have to, because the, the, the enemy is out. Uh, and unless we lock arms, then we're going to be not much different from those guys that are 70 and 80 years old that are like, Oh man, I left so much in the tank. Yeah. Right. But the more that you're doing the work that you do, uh, locking arms with people that you're serving, uh, we can push back darkness and raise up a new generation uh, that has taken enemy territory together. So thank you for your, what you're doing and the time together this morning. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, so people can find you. You're, you're, you're pretty active on LinkedIn these days, Lance Howard. Um, I think you're also on Twitter. You have a, what's your, what's the personal, your personal <laughs> website? Uh, so 
It's Lance, L-A-N-T-Z, Howard.com. So LanceHoward.com. Find me everywhere else. These days I'm super active on LinkedIn, like you said. I'm pretty quiet on Instagram right now. I think I've always been quiet on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, on Fridays I put out a, as soon as we get done, I'm going to write my article for Friday. I send that out to my email subscribers. So that's probably the best way to continue to get ongoing uh, free help. Uh, so just get that at LanceHoward.com. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link that all up in the show notes. So thanks, Lance. I appreciate your time, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Hey, thank you for listening to the Two Cent Dad podcast. I appreciate your investment you're making as a father, husband, coworker, etc. If you found value in this podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with someone that would also find value. Share it with another father, um, a friend of yours, that sort of thing. That's the best way to get the word out, get the message out to have an impact to to help fellow fathers out there. And if you have any feedback for the show, you can shoot me an email at mike at twocentdad.com. That's the number twocentdad.com. I also have to thank the sponsor, EC Group. That's how this show is possible, by the funding from EC Group. So check out teamwithec.com. If you're looking for software development capacity, we build long-term offshore software teams for mostly SaaS companies. So check out teamwithec.com. Thanks for listening.